For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everybody. I am Dan Selke of winnerscoming.net, here with Mia Johnson of fansided.com. This is Take the Black Live, talking all things Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, fantasy, sci-fi, genre, all that stuff. We are still in our uh, studio-adjacent space with the city of Chicago behind us. They're still fixing it up in there. Yeah, Soon. I don't know. Maybe we'll be back next week in there. It's possible. Maybe. Hopefully. And before we start, I like to say I'm a little sick. So if I seem incoherent or weird, um, I'm going to blame it on the bug. Yikes. Who's all here, y'all? We've got our good friend Julie, Ismail, Kathleen, and Sunny Orlando, and John and Jen. Hello, everybody. All right. Let's just dive right in, shall we? Yeah. I figured, okay, the big news to come out of this week was obviously um, everything going down before, during, and after pretty much the D23 Summit Ooh. Expo, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Expo, yeah. Um, in Anaheim, California, which is Disney's big um, explosion of information. It, it laid out all its cards on the table. It told mm-hmm. us what was going to happen. And um, because Disney is so all complicated and huge, of course, there was some Game of Thrones stuff wrapped into that. Yeah, look at Namely, that. Namely, guess who is joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Mm-hmm. It is Kit, Kit Harrington. <laughs> I mean, it's a cliche, I think, that like you're not really anyone in Hollywood until you play a superhero. Yeah, at this, at this rate, yeah, definitely. And somebody joked, it was like, Marvel lost one start, but gained two more. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, <laughs> oh, that's bless funny. him. That's cute. <laughs> but he's playing a character named Moon Knight. Yeah. Who have you ever heard of? I never heard of him. Black Knight, sorry. Black Knight, sorry. Yeah. Black Knight um, alias or... Dane Whitman in uh, The Eternals, which is an upcoming big budget. Oh, yeah. Kind of tentpole mark that I yeah. think is going to be really important to their like kind of next phase of development um, about vaguely like an eternal race of beings to protect Earth yeah, from yeah, you're on the, you're nasty on, people. You're on the money for the most part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, I will say it's pretty funny. So Black Knight is a medieval-themed superhero mm-hmm. who wears a lot of black, who has a cursed sword who's trying to restore his family honor 
Um, it's like <laughs> they gave him the most Jon Snow role possible <laughs> that isn't actually Jon Snow. I know, I know. That is kind of, <laughs> I wonder if that was something that they were looking into like comic book history like if they wanted Kit Harrington in there and you're like, oh God, what can we like how can we yeah. get a role for him? Or if they legitimately wanted Black Knight in there and then it just so happened that Kit Harrington fits the bill. <laughs> I think it's just typecasting. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. I'm not yeah. sure if they if they wanted Black Knight and like, oh he's perfect because he isn't on that sword show. Yeah. I don't see here's the thing, it's because I think Disney and Marvel, they have some really good casting. That's, like, that's very First true. of all, they do. they do. They always have. Um, but it's kind of like now, if you're a big enough celebrity like um, Hershel Ali, who you can leverage yourself and be like, look, I want to be in a Marvel movie, and I'm going to be who I say I want to be. <laughs> is that true? Like, that's I would I, figure that like Marvel is so big, like they're doing the picking. Like, Or are there people who are powerful enough well, to go to okay, them and when say, you like, have an, put me in a thing? When you have an Oscar on your hands, that's I true. think you kind of have, if you want to be Blade, by all means, please play Blade. <laughs> uh, but I think like somebody like Kit Harrington, if you're coming from Game of Thrones, I think that also gives him the leverage. I don't know if this is something that he like really wanted to do. Or maybe he's just like, fine, okay, I'll take the money, please, whatever. <laughs> fine, I'll take your aircraft carrier full of money. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Nonetheless, I, I'm happy that he is joining. Yeah, he's gotten it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the, the, the MCU is so all-encompassing now. It, it's almost to the point where like, I'm just, I'm just like, it's almost like more actors who are outside of it than in. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's not yeah. literally true, but it feels like it, it is it sometimes. It definitely feels like it, Yeah. Um, and so it's him, Richard Madden, of course. Richard Madden, yeah, is also, is in, the also Eternals, in Eternals. So that is really awesome. I mean, Sophie Turner was, I mean, this isn't MCU, yeah, but she, she was like Jean Grey. Yeah, she's Jean Grey. Um, and now Peter. the X-Men are owned by it. They could keep doing it. They could. I don't think Sophie Turner is going to, I don't think that, I think that no. whole cast is going to be turned over. Like, yeah, Peter right. Dinklage was in Infinity War, so they'll, they'll take anyone they can Maisie get. Maisie Williams is in anything called The New Mutants. It's going to be released at some point in the near future. Yeah, yeah all right, yeah. Future, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey, yeah. Good career move. It's, it's gonna be interesting to see like where the cast goes from here because I mean it's like true. Yeah. Obviously, they have so much cachet, they can more or less write their own ticket. Yeah. And I almost feel like being in a superhero movie is kind of like the path of least resistance in some way because they're all the rage right now, exactly. and of course you're gonna do it. Exactly. So I mean, I'll I'll go see it because. You know they are good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like they ever they're, they're, they're popular for a reason. Makes me wonder. Like, I love Gwendolyn Christie, and yeah. of course, you know what? Well, she's in Star Wars. She's in Star Wars, but I feel like she's been so underutilized. Definitely. So you know what? Marvel can bring her back or anybody. I just want to see more of her. So I'm sure there's something they could. Yeah, I'm, find please, for I'm on her my knees. <laughs> she's terrific. Or um, it's kind of fun that Amelia, someone like Amelia Clark, is yeah. gonna. I bet. I bet you anything. That if she asked, they would be like, oh, we will make you the new Iron Man or whatever. Yeah, so 100%. Quick. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, she's instead deciding to do uh, quirky elf romantic comedies. I'm not against that. It's so cute. Me neither. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be fun to see their uh, their their journeys, especially after Kit Harrington, yeah. a well publicized kind of um, went to a wellness center after the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be back on his feet. I'm sure yeah. he's fine. So, something to keep him busy. He wasn't <laughs> at uh, D23. No, he didn't. But like the rest of them there. were. Yeah, the rest of the cast were. So his was just sort of like just the announcement, but yeah. he wasn't there. Anyway, uh, speaking of B23, not 
all that happened involved Kit Harrington and from Game of Thrones of Jon Snow. But do we have any comments about any of this? Do we have any comments about? If not, it's <laughs> so fine. for the casting, it's either lazy casting or riding Game of Thrones <laughs> wave from Louise. With him and Richard Mann, it will get publicity even if you don't know the characters. I mean, it you know will. what? That's true because they are taking a risk with these eternal characters. That's true. I, would, I mean, they, they, they are kind of new. Yeah, I would bet you barely anybody knows about Eternals. So I've never freaking heard of it. Yeah, so I, I'm. it's good, I guess, to have them in that. Just at the very least, people will show up for that. But, I mean, Marvel has been so good about, like, no one really knew who the Guardians of the freaking Galaxy yeah. were before. That exploded, yeah. and they still managed yeah. to get away with it and make it a big thing. Yeah. So I think there's multiple facets working to this. People will see the movie anyway. That's the the yeah. short of it. <laughs> I mean, they've earned it. Like they've earned yeah. the trust of the viewership to go see whatever they want, at least to to assume it might be good. Right. So yeah, yeah I'm sure he'll be awesome. A lot of the bigger news in B23 came about. Uh, speaking of Star Wars and Gwendolyn Christie in the Star Wars realm. Yeah. You know what? I think it's funny. I think it's funny that they're saying that we're going to like take a break from Star Wars after this next movie. And they're lying to yeah. our faces. Are we really? Hmm. <laughs> like, oh, we're not going to have a movie for a couple of years. Here's three TV shows about Star Wars. <laughs> like, who do you think you're kidding? Yeah. Like, you not any kind of break. Yeah, you, there's I think you were going harder. No such break. And so, as promised, we did get the Mandalorian trailer. So that's one of the things. And it's like, that is not necessarily moving the narrative forward as far as, like, happening after episode nine. Because it is like a prequelish in a way. Yeah. Um, the Mandalorian is a new live action Star Wars show on Disney Plus, which is yes. their upcoming streaming service. Uh, starring, again, Game of Thrones star uh, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Uh, Oberyn Martell in the role of a forever helmeted bounty hunter yeah. <laughs> who will just um, live out a Clint Eastwood fantasy life uh, on Tatooine, I think. I believe so, it's on Tatooine. Yeah, it's, you know... But yeah, well, <laughs> either way, as I'm, I'm drawing a blank now, the trailer was quite interesting. It was uh, good because I've never been trailer. one. They have like the Clone Wars animated series and like Star Wars Rebels. Those are all like animated, so I've never right. like really cared to watch those. Even though I hear they're good, uh, this one seems pretty intense. So I think I will give it a try. I've never been one for Star Wars TV, but I think Mandalorian I could sink my teeth into. Oh, I will too. I mean, the the weird thing about this is that. I like, I rail against all this kind of like very strategic content coming out and yeah. like I can feel them trying to manipulate me into watching it. But the thing is, I'm going to watch it. I know. <laughs> so, I know. I'm helpless. It's like why I, I, I protest too much or it's weird. But yeah, um, I, I enjoyed the trailer. I loved, I loved the casting of it. I think yeah. they make some weird choices. Like Jane Carlos Esposito is um, going to play yeah, a villain. He's really good. I was like, good. whoa, okay. Werner Herzog who is a cult documentary filmmaker behind movies like Grizzly Man and Algiri Wrath of God, which is not a documentary, but really, really good. Yeah. Um, he's going to play like a customs officer or something. I'm not sure if you're too familiar with him, but he's a weird guy. And <laughs> I'm like, not super familiar. <laughs> a really big like cult figure from like the freaking 70s and 60s. Yeah. And he's there going like, uh, you know, bounty hunting is a dangerous business, wouldn't you agree? And like, this is so weird. Why are you doing this with <laughs> Werner Herzog? So... So, yeah, I will watch it because they have my curiosity. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then we also had a bit of Star, like, legit Star Wars Episode Nine news as well. Why don't we watch a bit of uh, the new footage they showed from Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, Ooh. now? Yes, let's. 
So Mia, are are you like a Star Wars fan? Like Cheryl was a Star Wars super fan. Yeah. Well, Cheryl's on a whole. She's on a tier where she's just an expert. But I will say that I am definitely a Star Wars fan. It's been like with me my whole life. So I do love it. I love following the story and all the characters. Yeah. Are you <laughs> tapped into the internet of sphere surrounding that latest footage? Yeah. Regarding all the yeah. theories that are coming out? Uh, well, the big one, as people saw right at the end, was the whole dark ray, which was like, okay. <laughs> it's Is some- that just based on her having a red lightsaber hood and dual bladed thing? Yes. Very- okay. <laughs> well, you know, no. Also, um... A lot of this, people have been thinking, has been, like, since episode seven. Some people have seen, like, the duality between her and Kylo Ren. Like, both seem to have, like, a tug and pull of, like, to the light and to the dark. Right. Um, And so it's, like, some people think that they'll switch teams. Like, you know, Kylo will be good and Ray will be dark. Um, Others just so happen to think that that's a vision and it's not really, you know, they're... They're just tricking us. There's one thing that the Emperor <laughs> is possessing her and making these things. Okay, yeah. I gotta say, like, okay, so I know that, I, that not everyone watching loves Star Wars, but I mean, I'm sorry, guys. It's such a big part of the freaking pop culture space. Yeah, we have to talk yeah, about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen Star Wars. Okay, here's my question mm-hmm. about the nature of this kind of final movie in the reboot cycle. Yeah. Or the sequel cycle. Um... The Emperor is a character who died, like, a long time ago in Return of the Jedi. Right. Uh, and, like, <laughs> clearly they're pushing him on the promotional materials. Like, he's on the poster. Mm-hmm. He's in both teasers and trailers yeah. we've seen so far. Yeah. Like, I guess he's going to be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a little cheap. I Like, they are reaching back and just... Who do people like and remember from the earlier movies? And we're going to push it. And that was the thing. It was like people thought that like episode seven was in a way just another ripoff of A New Hope or, you know, the very technically the first one um, to theaters. And yeah, bringing the Palpatine back to me is like a cheap trick. In a way, I'm a little bit excited uh, to see how it turns out but also it's kind of like in the first in episode seven they built up uh, i don't know if you know empress snoke yeah who was yeah the guy with the robe and the weird looking head andy circus uh and then just to like be like oh you know no he he's no big deal mbd (laughs) you know it was like oh i thought we were gonna have like the next big baddie because kylo ren is kind of like yeah, he's a little soft, right? But (laughs) but emperor snoke i thought was going to be like the new Palpatine, and then they're like no, Papeltine is the new Papeltine. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll watch it, but I mean, like, you know, they've always said, like, we want to get away from legacy characters. I wonder if they really have the stones to do that. No, absolutely not. And I mean, it... it <laughs> so that's a, that's it, a firm note. Yeah, that was a straight up lie. And I... it, But here's the thing, though. They did, you know, kill off two of the original people who were in the trilogy, uh, That's true, and because so, they would refuse to be in any more movies. Yeah, I feel like by being vague, I'm like trying to avoid spoilers, but, it, you know, talking about Han and Luke, so it's like, okay, I, yeah, I, for years. are they making the right choices as far as bringing characters off and letting the past die? That's been my whole, like, conflict, which I could, you know, talk days and days and days about. <laughs> I think we're working up toward an, <laughs> a, an era where they just make a new Star Wars movie with the original people, just made out of CGI. <laughs> 
Ooh, I wow. bet if they want to do it, if they could, they would do they it. They could. We have the technology. We do have the technology. <laughs> anyway, this is all kind of a, a larger message of, um, so when I say that I'm concerned about like them bringing about the past, I'm also concerned about Disney uh, being a hegemonic monstrosity that owns everything everywhere and monopolizes our time yeah. and our money. Um, what do you think of this? There's also new news came out um, around D23 that Disney Plus, the new streaming service, is not going to have any uh, R-rated content on it, yeah. which makes sense. But my mind immediately went, maybe just because it shouldn't happen like this, but it did. It went to, oh, so that's how they're going to be to pay for Hulu, too. Yeah. Like, Disney Plus is so affordable. It's so reasonable. It's like $3.80 a month if you get like the special super deal they're just yeah. offering now for D23 members. But if they don't have R-rated content, you know, I want to have a... Uh, a vast swath of stuff to choose from. You're going to put that on Hulu. So really, I'm going to have to buy two subscriptions. Yeah. I think they're clever. <laughs> you know, I well, it, it's hard for me, like as a Disney purist, like with a you know, little Disney halo purist? on my head, <laughs> to me it's like, oh, well, they just want to stick with Walt's, you know, whole idea of being like <laughs> Really rich. And, you oh, know, family I mean, values and stuff like that. They do, I think. Right. I'm being so um, simple. <laughs> but, I don't know, like, one side of me is kind of like most people probably already have, you know, Netflix and the Hulu and all that. And if not, you're ripping it off from one of your friends. It's true. It's so I think they are kind of like nestling themselves into the niche that like, hey, we are Disney in the way that Disney is a family friendly brand, you know, that you can watch around your grandma <laughs> or something like that. Um, and so I think like by them picking up like the like Deadpool or something, it I don't know if it threw them off track or whatever, but it's like, hey, well, you know, we're the niche family friendly brand, so deal with it and just fork over the extra cash for <laughs> Hulu if you haven't already. Oh, Disney. <laughs> I just again I see them worming their way into every aspect of my life. Yeah. And I'm going to let it happen. You just there's you you're defenseless. You can't do anything about it, you know? I mean all I can do is just point it out, but does it really help? We'll mm -hmm. see. We have any comments before we close this part of the show? Oh gosh. Let's go back to the Star Wars. Is any new Star Wars programs aimed at an adult audience? Mandalorian trailer looked a more yeah, really, adult. I mean, yeah, it is, but again, it's like it can't be that adult because it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. Like they're not going to explore anything too heavy. Yeah, I don't think it won't be risque, but I do think that it'll be it's not gonna be childish, that's for sure. No. Um Yeah, I would I think I don't I don't think it's really aimed at like kids or younger audiences to begin with. So maybe they are trying to like cast a white net and say, you know, this is not just for kids who want to watch Winnie the Pooh and Frozen, you know. <laughs> Come I mean, on down, adults. Yeah, none of the credit. Disney has often been very good at that, at, like uh, at finding a a truly like you know the cliche is like fun for all ages. Like yeah. sometimes that means it's made for three year olds and like your your parents take you to it. But there are movies that Disney has made that are actually just good. We're talking about Toy Story and Wick Club today. Right. Like, it's yeah. just a good movie. Yeah. Like, whether you're a young or you're older or whatever. Exactly. So, it's that universal appeal. Family friendly. Everyone can enjoy it. It's good for the bottom line, man. Yeah. Everyone's watching. Everyone's paying. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, Mia, thanks for joining us. Um, we'll be back next week. But yes. now, if we can um, bring in... I wonder if he's around... Bring oh, in Josh, Josh Hill. Oh, Josh Hill. 
Oh, <laughs> message him. I wonder. Hold, hold for one second, oh dear audience gosh, members. Josh, come on. We want to talk about some books. <gasps> Here he comes. All right. All right. Bye, folks. Thanks, Mia. See you later. Now we're gonna bring on Josh Hill, um, a song of ice and fire newbie and fan-sided editorial over god. With me, we are in a series called. That's right. <laughs> hey, Josh. How are you? When she was called uh, A Song of Dan and Josh, where you and I walk through every chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire, George R. Martin's Unfinished We Are. You, you, just, you just hearing about this? A, yeah. This is breaking <laughs> news to me. I didn't know. Hello, everybody. Hello, Julie. Who else do we have with us? Luis, Jen, John, Kathleen. Hello. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we are walking through A Clash of Kings, still on it. And we read for today Brand 3. Uh, okay. This was brand three, colon, love in Winterfell. It was. There was a sex, lot love of... Sex, love in um, Winterfell. Well, okay. Yeah. Let's start with that. Mm -hmm. Let's start with all the sex. Yeah. So basically this chapter is just really quick outline. You know, brands at Winterfell. Yeah. There's a feast. He's the host. lords of the north, all right? Yeah. They're, they're all gathering. Because, yeah. you know, there's war going on down south. Yeah. And uh, they're gathering to... Um, talk strategy to plan and Bran's not really going to be the guy who's like going to make the war plans but he is yeah. the Stark so he has responsibility to host everybody I, I, I enjoy the very first part of this chapter where Bran rides a horse into the great hall at Winterfell where he's <laughs> eating yeah. which is one of those moments that like that's stupid like there's no reason well, to do that except yeah. to impress people well, yeah. <laughs> what other reason is there to ride a horse anywhere Inside, other than indoors. outdoors <laughs> than to impress people so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, he's riding it through so yeah. people can see he's important. He is Bran Stark. He is a figurehead. Mm -hmm. He is the oldest male Stark in Winterfell, which makes him important. He's by fault, but... Yeah, I guess oldest male, oldest Stark in general. And there's a good bit here where he uh, where he's he says that Bran was old enough to know that it was not truly him they shouted for. It was the harvest they cheered. It was Robin's victories. It was his lord father and his grandfather and all the Starks going back 8,000 years. Yes. So he's playing a role here. Mm -hmm. Bran playing the role of the Lord of Winterfell, this person who other people, you know, see as the figurehead of the North, which he is. But, like, his own personal involvement, he's more detached. He does not have a good time at this feast at all, really. No. I mean, he's Bran the Broken. <laughs> I guess, yeah. He's, uh, Get over the leg thing, Bran. It is, but, like, he's okay. seeing life as it could have been for himself. And it's never going to be exactly that. Like, he can get bits and pieces and he can dabble in this life that he could have had, but he's never going to have it the way that he did. I think that's the point of all the sex stuff in this chapter. I think so, Is yeah. to underline it's something that Bran cannot do. That he's broken. Like, you know, he's, he's broken. Like, literally broken <laughs> yeah. below the waist. Yeah. Like, in more ways than one. Um, you know, the, 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 we, we have a lot of notes about just romance. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally and figuratively. I liked the bit where he remembers uh, Marcella Baratheon coming to the yeah. last feast and staring at Rob with adoring eyes. That's yep. kind of cute. I guess Marcella has a crush on Rob. Never going to consummate that. They're both going to be dead before they can do that. <laughs> um, Bran looks at Mira. The reeds are... Okay, first of all... Mira, do, yeah. Do you recall the reads from the show? Mira and Jojen? Okay, yeah. yeah. Mira more so than Jojen. I remember R.I.P. Jojen. Yeah, he did die. Earlier, I remember and she stuck around more. Yeah. Cool. Do you recall that they, they pulled they pulled Bran around for quite a while? <laughs> they did. They, they were. They uh, took they up were after nice. Hodor. Exactly. After Hodor was out, Mira just lugged that sled all around the north. <laughs> poor girl. And yeah, they protect him on, on his way north. Yeah. Do you recall how they were introduced on the show? 
No, I don't. Because it's not like this. So no. this in this chapter, the reeds come in to the feast, and they are from the neck. They are from uh, they are of the Kranich men. They're basically they're what do you call it? Vassals to House Stark. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of like weird. They come from the swampy area of <laughs> yeah. the neck, and like no one, no one knows what to do with them. They're yeah. short. They got green eyes, and like from like the Louisiana of sort of yeah, a little yeah. bit. So they're a little bit odd. But in the show, they show up like after Bran leaves Winterfell. It's in this meet them on the road. Oh okay. And here they get brought in earlier. Not really a huge difference, but it's up in there. Anyway, sex. Um, yes. Bran looks at Mira. You know, it's sexy. And also, when he's being taken back to his room, he sees, um, like, the horse master is having sex with the woman outside the Great Hall. Mm-hmm. I, I think the point of all this is that, you know, it, again, it's underlining that Bran can't do any of this stuff. No. That he is, he's kind of like this kid who wanted to be a very, he, like, he wanted to be a knight. He wanted to have a big physical job. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go and ride horses. He gets to him a little bit through a hall. Yeah. Um, can you imagine like a horse like walking through Thanksgiving dinner at your house, something like that? That's what it is. That's what this is. <laughs> you clearly haven't been to Thanksgiving at my house. So, <laughs> you're from what Minnesota? That's right. Yeah, Minnesota and Thanksgiving is bizarre. Um, so yeah, he wanted to go be physical. He wanted to swing horse. Yeah. He wanted to swing swords. He wanted to fight people. And now he kind of has to live this life of the mind. He mm-hmm. has to be a more passive person. He's just struggling to like, how do you get into that? How, like, how, how do you adjust to yeah the idea that the life you thought you were going to have, you're going to have to completely reorient yourself. Mm-hmm. And part of that means kind of being an aesthetic a bit, like giving yeah. up the pleasures of the flesh because it's just literally not a possibility for you now. Pleasures of the flesh. Um, I mean, it's a very flowery language of me, but I think that's more No, well that. said. Um, yeah, Bran's not going to have any pleasures of the flesh, which is, yeah. yeah, what a lot of this chapter seems to be about. And like the riding it on the horse, like he's literally riding it on his high horse and it's like mm-hmm. he is this person who is never going to ever be what he could have been. I mean, yeah. he ends up being in the show at least he wins, but I mean, yeah, but it's in a very different way. This is a that, mindset that he thought he yeah. would. This is. I feel like he's trying to force what he could have been onto his life, and he's almost rejecting the idea that he is broken, he's crippled, he's never going to have this life. But he's mm-hmm. still trying to force this in some act of desperation to be like, this is normal. I can still be normal when mm-hmm. you can be more important than normal. Being important isn't the same thing as being normal. Also, Julie came back. She left for Star Wars, but she came yeah. back for this. I'm sorry, Hello, Julie. Julie. It's just so important. Like, how can, we can't not talk about Star Wars as just okay. Sorry. I like Star Wars, but everybody I, does. I also like Julie, so I'm torn. Uh, I'm the person in this office who has the least interest in Star Wars. I swear to God, everybody loves Star Wars. I think Although so. I do like it. Okay. There's no Star Trek representation though, so it's true. Anyway, um, we also got Sir Roderick uh, approaching yes. Lady Hornwood, and she makes excuses and took her leave. Like a lot of this romance stuff. Mm-hmm. I like the part where he looks at the dancing and says, "Like it makes him sad. There's something else I cannot do." Yeah. So yeah, we've established that Bran is sad, mm-hmm. but he cannot do things that he wanted to do. All right, other bits. Um, this isn't really like a hugely event. It's one of those chapters that's kind of in betweeny. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's setting up the reads definitely. Yeah, it's um, more into Bran's psychology, but like nothing huge happens. Mm-hmm. I liked the politics at the table. Just going back to like Bran's uh, the role he's playing as Lord of Winterfell. Like one of his jobs is to taste. Um, you know, like every, like he gets the first bite of every dish, yeah. right? Like, because that's like what you do when you're a figurehead of a grand family in the North. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he's like so full, he just like sends them to people. And I like that he says, oh, he's just a little bit petty 
where he like you know he sends Sam and Lady Hohenwood, and he sends um, sweets to Hodor and Old Nan because he loves them. He wants them good stuff. And Master Roderick is like, you gotta send something to the, your Frey cousins too. You gotta be polite. <laughs> he sends them like what? He sends them like beets and turnips <laughs> because he hates them. Meat pie great. sandwiches or whatever. Beets and turnips. He sends them like the grossest vegetables possible. I know, but I'm just referencing when they all become part of a meat pie later. Yes, that's a good time. These two again, like, are not in the the show. Like these two little Frey cousins that go up to Winterfell. Okay. Yeah, they're not. But yes, later the phrase will become delicious, delicious pies. Well, delicious Although, is flexible. It happens quite differently in the books and just in the show. Okay. So, yep, we'll get, well, that's that's so far away. Is this Gosh. another thing where you say, it's good, just wait wait until we get to it in the books, and then five seconds later you're like, and then this happens. I'm like, well, Dan, no, it's not important. The like, the meat pie thing is <laughs> it's a fun little aside. It's important to me. Okay. <laughs> well, eventually you'll get, it's much more, whatever. I'm, I'm, we're, 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 we're moving on. Like, I blame the feast. This isn't... Yeah, this is Winterfell Feast. The Winterfell Feast. Louis said that uh, riding in on a horse is better than being wheeled in, which I think totally. is kind of the point there. I think I like that. That's exactly... He's literally riding in on his high horse like, there's nothing wrong with me. I am Bran Stark. And it's like, well, actually... I mean, I'm not sure... I'm, uh, uh, but that was his idea. I think it was probably like Maester Rock or Maester uh, Lewin, who was like, "We got yeah, exactly." It's the optics impression. of not yeah, being the optics, wheeled in yeah. instead. And he's literally to the complete cartoonish opposite of that, which you're coming in on this. I imagine like the white horse, the doors open on their own. Oh, totally. Light is coming down and illuminating him and bouncing like, off of his pale yeah. skin. Like, yeah, that's uh, Bran. But yeah, but again, now that he's. Um, a little more detached from life, he can have these melancholy, very mature thoughts for a kid his age, such mm -hmm. as some faces Brand had never seen before, others he knew as well as his own, yet they all seemed equally foreign to him. He watched them as from a distance, as if he still sat in the window of his bedchamber, looking down on the yard below, seeing everything, yet a part of nothing. He looked up and down the benches at all the faces happy and sad, and wondered who would be missing next year and the year after. He might have cried then, but he couldn't. He was the Stark in Winterfell, his father's son and his brother's heir, and almost a man grown. This is like the age of 12 or 13 or whatever he is. It's they grow up fast. <laughs> they, grow up, they grow up fast in the north and also in the fake medieval land that we are in here. I mean, again, that's medieval times, right? Back yeah. then, you know, you, you always heard that cliche, right? Like, you're married by 15, yeah. you pump up some kids, and it's just the way it happens. But yeah, so again, just underlining the dichotomy of Bran right now. Mm -hmm. He wants to do one thing, he can't, so he's, he, he, has to, he has to adjust or die. So the other thing I want to talk about before we end is the reeds. So what's your impression of them as depicted in this chapter? As in just general thoughts? Yeah, just general thoughts. I mean, I didn't think much of them. Like, are they... Yeah, I, guess not. Are, I mean, this was a good introduction. I mean, they like, say we swear it by ice and fire. They said the title, Josh. I know. That was, that's that's an important. action movie trope that I love. <laughs> Do you? It's great. It's like, there's Bran. On his Game of Thrones, I don't know, it's something like that. <laughs> Playing but, I mean, his Game of Thrones, but riding it on his horse. No, I didn't have much of an impression of them in this chapter, but it did remind me because we're now getting to the point where I do remember more from the show. Not to keep crossing the two over, but I think no, it's, it's impossible like, at this point to not do that. Um, but it did remind me. I was like, oh yeah, I, re I remember those two. But other than that, they didn't really stand out. Other than. I'm like, okay, now they're going to become a part of the sure. story. I mean, I thought the ending was pretty creepy. So, like, immediately they get in, and then Jotun's like, where are the direwolves? 
So I think it's not a question. Oh, the direwolf dream. Are we going to talk yeah. about that? Yes. Yeah, that's the end of it. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, Brams have more of these direwolf dreams, summer. and this time he slips summer. Good. Good. Yeah. He slips into a <laughs> to, to summer, and the last part of the chapter is he possesses summer, which he just kind of mm-hmm. does in his dreams by accident. Yeah. And he sees uh, Jojen and Mira are approaching the wolves, mm-hmm. and the wolves don't attack them. So these creepy little kids yeah. who are coming from the swampland and say the title of the book of the series. <laughs> they and, might be uh, all right. Well, are because I, I I think it was kind of like it had a malevolent feel to it, like Jojen. A little bit, but I fe- I felt like without there being like violence against them, it wasn't like they overcame anything. It wasn't like they killed their way to Bran and his dream. They were just there. Oh no! But and it, it wasn't a little, necessarily a violent thing, which to it wasn't me violent kind of, at all. But it was a little. Jojen's a little off. Well, like he like the yeah, the, the, the last sentence is uh, like you know he he sees the wolves and Mira's like don't go near them. They're dangerous wolves. And he's like. This is not the day I die. Like, why do you know that, you weird little kid? And then, uh, and then the, the 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 final part of the chapter is told from Summer's perspective, yeah. which is interesting because Bran's inside him. Well, it's Bran's dream. Yeah, I mean, it's not a dream; it's actually happening. Well, it's vision. It's both vision. Whatever. <laughs> Green dream. The male Jojen walked toward them, unafraid, and reached out for his muzzle, a touch as light as a summer breeze. Yet the brush of those fingers. Yet at the brush of those fingers, the wood dissolved, and the very ground turned to smoke beneath his feet, and swirled away laughing, and then he was spinning and falling, 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 is the last bit. So Jojen touches Summer, and then Bran's dream goes all haywire. Interesting. What does it mean? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I, I think I know what it means. What do you think it means? I think it means that there's some weird kinetic connection between these. Like, Bran is clearly feeling some sort of connection. Like, these characters are going to be important in my story. I don't. He doesn't know what it means. Yeah. Which is kind of the falling thing where it's like, I'm lost here. I'm not 100% sure what's going to happen. But these people are here in my vision. It's not a threat. It's not like this looming violent thing like we mm-hmm. mentioned. It's just there. And I'm confused by this. And I'm falling deeper into this mysticism of whatever he's finding these visions and then these new people who literally just arrived and now are in his vision in his future because he's seeing the future ish maybe a little bit he's in the present but you know (laughs) that's weird too he's a hard character Brad. he is because you know julie was a fan though Bran in the early days, he was a cute kid, too. He was a cute kid. He was definitely a cute kid. Before we sign off, I wanted to read um, a passage about food, because I think Ooh, George R. Martin is, is the famous food porn one? It's definitely the food porn oh, one. Yes. And, you know, I think we can... Um, he's he, not, not famous, but uh, Martin is known for his life difference of food, and I want to read this one for you and for the audience and see... And just Fireside kind of chat. Interrogate it for a second. Mm-hmm. What does this add to the chapter, if anything. Okay. Or is it just indulgent? Bring me back into it. <clears throat> Such food Bran had never seen, course after course after course, so much that he could not manage more than a bite or two of each dish. There were great joints of oryx, roasted with leeks, venison pies, chunky with carrots, bacon and mushrooms, mutton chops, sauce and honey and cloves, savory duck, peppered boar, goose, skewers of pigeon and capon, beef and barley stew, cold fruit soup, cold fruit soup, uh, Lord Wyman had brought 20 casts of fish from White Harbor, packed in salt and seaweed, white fish and winkles, crabs and mussels, 
clams, herring, cod, salmon, lobster, and lampreys. There was black bread and honey cakes and oat and biscuits. There were turnips and peas and beets. Beans, I'm not, just keep going. Beans and squash and huge red onions. There were baked apples and berry tarts and pears poached in strong wine. Wheels of white cheese were set at every table above and below the salt. And flagons of hot spiced wine and chilled autumn ale were passed up and down the tables. Okay, my question to you. Is that food pornography? Or yes. is this or, or do we need this to understand the food how... literotica is what that is. That is <laughs> I well, I think what the point of it is in the chapter is to really get across A, George R. R. Martin likes food. And B, it's it is this grand, almost overly done dinner and party. Like there's yeah, so much there. Like there and it's the descriptions of it. I think it's it gets so far into it that it just gets so over the top that you're like, oh my God, this is gluttony. And it's like, well that's kind of the point. Like this that's is a, this a good huge point. feast. Yeah. Like if the point is, you know, it's the same thing as Bram riding in on the horse. Yeah, it's over it's, the top. It's pageantry. Yeah. It's supposed to it's supposed to you know make a statement mm-hmm. that this is a Winterfell party and Winterfell parties are off the hook and to be respected, and we have the best of everything, so you should respect us and follow us. That, and I found myself rolling my eyes a little bit at the description when I was reading it for the first time and reading, hearing you read it, not because of your wonderful reading skills. Mellifluous. Um, but just because it is so over the top that you're like, oh, yes, yes, yes. And then you get halfway through and you're like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> and it's just like beating you over the head with it. And I think that that's also kind of a commentary on, while the Starks are like, quote unquote, the good guys here, yeah. they are just as likely to fall into this, you know, pageantry, as you said. you got to make a statement. Yeah. It's also hard to write. Like, imagine if you had to like write this paragraph and like think of all those foods. Yeah. Like I would be googling for like a half hour to come up with all that stuff. I mean, I can't just summon like you know, uh white fish and winkles, crabs and mussels, crabs, herring, cod, salmon, lobster and ramplays from just out of my top of my head. The lampreys is just like nice shoehorned in. That was a lamprey. It's like a gross like eel thing that is like it? eats okay. fish. Yeah. They've got them in Lake Michigan, so next Do time you dip your toe, them? be careful. Like I didn't think so because I think they're like a large parasite. Like, oh, gross. well, they're a parasitic species. But the point is, like, that also goes into the over-the-topness of this, where it's like everything, plus every kind of the like crappy stuff. Like, we've got it all. So cold fruit soup. It's like that scene in a uh, Temple of Doom where they're eating like the monkey brains, yeah, like that times. kind of thing. Where I was just like, oh, it's over the top. What are okay. we doing here? It's cartoonish. But I think it's necessary. Also, I mean, just before it's well, it is it, I, mean, it, it, I don't know if it's necessary, but I mean, it's also just, you know, you want to set the scene. Like, that's what's there. So describe it, and uh, the reader will be sucked in. No expense spared, says Julie. True. <laughs> no expense Very spared true. All. all right, any other final thoughts, Josh, before we sign off for the week? No. What's the, uh, what's, what's our next Catlin, Catlin 2. Catlin 2. Catlin 2. This is, we're, we're like a third of the book and only the second chapter. We are moving right along. Well, we thanks for watching, everybody. Join us next week, Wednesday, at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time for more Game of Thrones song advice, fire, genre fiction, sci-fi, fantasy news, and more A Song of Dan and Josh. We continue to walk through A Clash of Kings. Thank you very much. Have a pleasant week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.